You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Surprise. Surprise. You caught me. Yeah, you weren't looking and paying attention. I, I zinged you with the button. <laughs> zinged me with the button. <laughs> and here we are. Look at the shirt. Ah, appropriate. The Tuesday pen shirt. Day, Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, you still got it, Bracken. You still got still it. Still got it. That reminds me. We're backed up on t-shirt orders. If you've ordered in the last three weeks, they're going out this week. Sorry if you haven't gotten it yet. Continue. You've been playing Backwoods Kirk. I've been Grizzly Man Adams out there in the wilderness. And it's been great. Been off the grid usually Friday through Sunday. Going to continue to do so uh, probably the next three, four weeks. So no service where I stay. It's really unfortunate. It's a bummer. Really is. Living the Bracken life. Mm -hmm. Only bummer is that I got to drive to town to get back to emails. So every day I got to make a trip in. I sit in my truck in in an Ace Hardware. And that's where I get service. So I sit there uh, in my camouflage and I respond to emails. Um, and everybody looks at me like, what are you, what are you doing? Cause I do it every day for three days while I'm there and people start, you know, catching on to like, what's this guy doing out here? But got to do what you got to do. Take away camouflage. And that's me on the camping trips, drive to town or to a, the, sometimes I'll be driving and then just I'll drive into service at the top of a hill. And then I pull over right there and get to work. It's what we got to do. It's the beautiful thing about being a coach and also sort of like the the downfall is like you make your own schedule, but there's no days off, which means when I'm on a three-day camping trip, every day you still have to think, I got to work at some point. I got to get away and get to service. And this camping life, man, I don't know why they can't have, you know, cell towers right at the campsites, but they just seem to uh, not provide that commodity. So unfortunately, I can't imagine any other occupation at this point in my life. But you don't get to leave the office, so to speak. Like, oh, work's done for the week because people race on weekends. And so, and that's not a complaint. I I look forward to Saturdays because all the results start coming in and I'm sitting there on Athlinks all day. But it's just a little bit different. But luckily we can do it in our camo at the Ace Hardware and get by with life. (laughs) Whatever the, uh, that, that saying about first world problems, whatever's beyond that, like an even better situation. Yeah. Like whatever that would be, we have. So no complaining. But anyways, yes, you're done camping for the year. If there's a complaint, it's from my athletes because try as I might, oftentimes on these camping trips, there's 24 to 48 hours before someone will get a response. Yeah. And I told you that uh, this weekend, um, booked my campsite. We were the only campers there this weekend. It's a small little campsite on a lake in northern Wisconsin. They shut off the water, the bathrooms, everything's locked up, which means like I've left my mark all over the surroundings of that campground when needing to use the bathroom. And I just feel for, you know, three days of that. But hey, they locked us out, but let me pay for my spot. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, terrible. You managed to get some fast running in. I've been doing a little Strava stalking of you. Yeah. You don't hop on there very often. I feel like every two or three weeks I see a bunch of stuff upload 
and then nothing in between. You kind of save it. I It's just not my rhythm yet. This is my fourth week of not missing a workout. Nice job. And this week was my most consistent. I think I uploaded to Strava three times this week. Okay. Lisa and I got done with a, a, a date run and we get into the car and she's like, oh, oh, I, I got that segment or something like that. Like, what are you talking about? She's got it syncing up the moment her run's done. And I, I, I look back after four days and I think, oh, I should get my, my runs up on Strava. So I'm, I got to get back in the old rhythm of that. People want to know. They like to see what you're up to. If if anyone's following, it's a lot of hill running. It sure is, man. You're going to be ready to go. I'm either dogging it on the flats or on the treadmill slightly uphill or I'm looping hills. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, the big thing for me is, yeah, I got a little bit of a knee issue going on right now, which I have to get looked at, but it allows me to run flat much better than it allows me to run well, downhill specifically. And the problem with going uphill is then there's a downhill. So I've just been doing a lot of flat stuff. And I mean, you put me on a flat course right now and I'm more fit than anything I've been in the last two years. It's amazing what six weeks off of booze taking care of yourself can do. Six weeks now, huh? Uh, the day on Wednesday, it'll be six weeks. So congratulations. Thanks, brother. But yeah, it's uh, I'm fit, man. I mean, I have no problem saying that I'm fit and it's too bad it's coming now. Like it would have been convenient earlier um, in the year, but I'll take it where I can get it. I'm uh, I'm optimistic, but yeah, I'm thinking of jumping into some road races. I'm maybe thinking of going down to Florida in December because that's basically a track, uh, you know, Spartan race, and and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's nice to feel lean and mean. I got veins popping out again and muscles that I haven't really seen in a few months that I usually had had, and. Uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to go out there bracken. Well, I saw a run this weekend that it was 10 miles, 1 mile on, quarter mile off. Yep. And with your offs included in there, you average 552 pace for 10 miles. Plus the warm up and cool down, don't forget. Plus oh, <laughs> warm up and cool down were added in there. So, warm up, cool down and quarter mile off after every mile on and you were sub 6 for 10 miles. So, you had to have been rolling on your miles. I started at like 520s and ended in the 450s, but it was uh, it was good. I was deer hunting, so it's like I get up at you know five in the morning. It's dark out. It's in the cold. I go sit in the woods for like three hours, freezing. Then I get back, have a warm cup of coffee and like a quick snack, and get out. And it's the last thing I want to do, but you know, got to lead by example. So just because I'm out playing doesn't mean I'm not going to make time for business. You know what I'm saying? So drag my ass out the door and go get it done. And your body always shows up, man. It shows up if if your mind can handle it. And so, um, yeah, I think it had me running like a 34.010K in the middle of it and a 16, I don't know, 45K in the middle of the workout. So I feel good about that. With quarter mile jogs. With quarter mile jogs, yeah, as recovery. And those jogs were like 7.30 pace. So it's good. Um, like I said, it's just a shame. There's nothing that really matters coming up, but I'd say this might be the thing that really matters right now, which is what getting it in six weeks dry, getting it in some more. Yeah. Same kind of goes for you though. Maybe it's better. There are no races to add added stress or anxiety. Like you just get to work on whatever your new rhythm is. And you know what I'm doing right now? I have nothing planned. I have nothing scripted. I'm doing Um, And we'll touch on the Richard Diaz episode a little bit here in a sec, but intuitive running in the sense where, 
you know what? The day before I'm like, my body just needs this. I can feel it. And then I script my quality workout only one day in advance. And I'm just letting my body decide. And it's kind of a fun, you know, mode of training to be in. It makes it um, more enjoyable in a sense. And so it's nice to be able to do that right now, especially with nothing on the calendar and no end dates, which uh, I don't know. Sometimes we, we glorify the process. And I do think that that is valid. And also, I think that at times just intuitively doing things can also serve a purpose. You can't sit in that phase forever, but for a moment, it's nice. What about you? I'm the dead opposite of you right now in every sense of the word other than sobriety. I haven't had a drink since you stopped having a drink. Oh, that's cute. Look at us. Oh, I can't believe it's intent. But Lisa too. How come? May I ask? Well, I mean, we've talked about it a briefly on here, but you and I actually haven't discussed any of this, this part, but how many messages I got from people that I know and don't know who are like, I don't know what your purpose was with putting that episode about Kirk and his honesty out there, but it was so necessary for me to hear. I've been drinking so much more since the start of COVID and I didn't realize how much it's got away from me. Mm-hmm. Then I must have got personally 75 of those. Oh, wow. And I think it's the people that didn't want to talk to you about it, mm-hmm. who didn't want to make it seem like, hey, thanks for telling me about this really intense issue that you have just have been going through. So let me tell you about mine. Like they didn't want to detract mm-hmm. from yours or make it about them. So I think they reached out to me instead to just say, like, I'm going through this in some capacity. And I would say the vast majority of them, and you never know how honest people are being. You know, I mean, you know about people what they want you to know, but the vast majority of the message was, I don't think I have any dependence or any, any, any need for it. But Kirk reminded me that no one sets out to have dependence or need, and I maybe can't trust myself. So I'm Mm -hmm. stopping or pulling back right now to ensure that I don't take it a step farther. And in his episode just woke me up. I can't tell you how many people, I probably had 20 or 30 messages in the next week after your episode that said, I got done with that episode and had a tough conversation with blank that night, either about them Mm -hmm. or about themselves or about them as a couple, like probably 15 couples messaged me and said, Hey, we had a conversation right after that, that we've just been doing that thing. Hey, it's three o'clock on a Friday or we got our work done. We're working from home. It seemed like so many people went through that same thing. And Lisa and I just both talked and said, whether you think you do or don't have dependency on it, there's only one way to prove that. Mm -hmm. And that's to remove it and find out what happens. So, wow. And then plus just some solidarity with you just to say Kirk's important to me. If it's important to him, it's important to me. But anyways, all those things together, it just made it seem like this is, this is a, the sensible, logical thing to do. Well, I did not know that it took us six weeks for you to unveil that you've been doing that because I know that well, it's not about me and it would seem cliche to be like, I stand with you, brother. I will do it. Just, you know, it's just anyone can say it on day one. It should take six weeks to find out if I'm really committed to committing to you. You know, uh, I think you're committing to yourself. You're not committing to me, but that's just as valuable. I think we're symbiotic in a sense. Huh? Yeah, I probably got a hundred messages or so. Of them, all the messages, a hundred would be that I need to nip it in the butt because 
nobody sets out to be this way. And yet I feel like I'm in your phase one of three on my way and, and you got to be careful. So uh, I like that. Do you feel any different? You probably weren't drinking enough to notice, I suppose, like a real underlying difference. No, I, I mean, I, I've never outside of what my bad year and a half in college, I, I've never been a big drinker, but my frequency was up. And so yeah, I'd note like it's a, a couple pounds of weight right away and quality of sleep right away. Yep. My thing is that I found is there were a couple nights per week where it was just the routine, like Sunday night's football on, let's have a glass of wine and watch it. Or Thursday night football's on, let's have a beer and watch it. Or Saturday night is sleep overnight with the kids and they all fall asleep and I'm down there, you know, we make mega bed down in the living room with all the mattresses together and Mm -hmm. I'm sitting down there and Lisa's upstairs getting her beauty rest and I watch the UFC fights or any boxing card that's on and then I just eat pizza and have a beer or two and do that and then I go to sleep and I found that on those nights, I felt compelled because it was my routine. Yep. And it you realize how quickly it worms and easily it silently worms its way into routine, does it? So like last night was Sunday night football and I ended up having a LaCroix oh. because like it felt right to have something that I just sip while watching this. You know, it took me three to four weeks. Uh, my nighttime routine now, I don't know why we did not plan on going into this and we'll get into our topics and all that today, but um, it was always finish dinner, pour a drink right? Always. And most of the time it was have a drink while making dinner and then pour a drink after dinner. And then sometimes wake up feeling like crap at 3am and pouring another one to get back to see. We we went through all that in my story. We don't need to, but it sucked. Going to bed sucked for the first three to four weeks. I hated everything about my routine in quotes because I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. My routine was drinking ton wine and squash any sort of racing mind and go to bed, right? Took me that long, but now our routine... We've settled in. I'm having sleepy time tea after dinner, Bracken. Okay. Really manning it up. Some chamomile sometimes. I'm sipping on my tea, watching YouTube hunting videos. <laughs> Gwen Stefani would be proud, Kirk. Would she? Anyone, Why would she be proud? See if anyone gets that reference. Not me. I'm not cool enough. What is that reference? Uh, she has a line uh, where she says, I'm just sipping on chamomile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just yeah. such a random line What song is that in? in a song. It's chamomile and lavender, by the I way. I think it's Hey Baby. Is that the title of the yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. Throwing us back to middle school, no doubt. I like to think of myself as a man, yet here I am with my pinky up, sipping on chamomile lavender tea now instead of my scotch. It's a nice trade-off. Tell you, what. you know what, Kirk? I had this conversation with, with uh, someone the other week. And we have a... Now, this is really not what we meant to talk about. But we have a very, very warped sense of what is manly in our culture. And this is not getting into toxic masculinity or or anything like that. But the notion that drink A is manlier than drink B is a really bizarre thing. Well, was I wrong with my statement? Yeah. Of course I was wrong, but socially... No, but yeah, yeah. But But think about how strange that is. There's a picture of a teddy bear wearing pajamas, wearing a little stocking cap with a ball on it on the box of my chamomile lavender tea bracken. He's well, wearing that's little footies. It's, it's deeply ingrained. <laughs> it sure is. Is there anything manlier than doing exactly what makes you happy and being content in that? I don't think so. 
No, being manly is bucking up and kicking shit that isn't serving you anymore. And if that means drinking chamomile lavender tea to go to bed, then so be it. Yeah. A man takes care of his business and is confident in it. A man shows up for himself and others in his life every day. And if that means cutting the whiskey out to do so, I guess chamomile tea makes me a big ass man. That's right. That's right. Well, my first statement was I'm doing the exact opposite of you right now. Which is, I have a very scripted plan, and I'm doing almost no anaerobic work outside of skill work. And I'm not feeling fast at all, but I'm feeling like I'm starting to build up my engine again. And this week, running turned the corner in the terms of, I no longer have to think on every stride about how my stride should function and feel. You have that when you, I I don't know if you've ever taken off as much time as I have, but it's hard to even run how you remember how to run. Yep. And my form's cleaning up. I've got mirrors in my basement. It's starting to look a little different when I'm on the treadmill and it's feeling a lot different. And last night I went out for a run, just 40 minutes, but it was like 45 degrees and pouring rain. It was dark. I was running on grass and my form did not change. I was, I was a human metronome, Kirk, just clicking off miles in the dark with my form feeling exactly how it should. And that was the first run I felt like that in four weeks now. I haven't missed a scripted workout in four weeks and it took a month to get to the point where I feel comfortable feeling comfortable. Well, it's the point in which it becomes automatic. Your autonomic nervous system is finally just doing what it is supposed to do without you thinking. I feel early on on runs, you have to keep checking your form, making sure you're running upright, opening things up when necessary, closing them up when necessary. Mm -hmm. And instead, your body just finally is doing it. And you have to earn that. Yeah. And I've had glimpses of it, pieces and runs where I like zone in for 20 minutes, just feeling great. And then it starts to deteriorate. But last night was the first run where first stride to last stride felt perfect. Good. I was, I was like a giddy little kid in the dark coming home. Like Lisa, I'm back. (laughs) Is that actually what happened? Because I like to envision that. And then you guys embracing and this nice hug and maybe twirling around in the kitchen or something. Was it like that? I shouted it out and she's like, I'm making dinner. I figured, yeah. And I'm supposed to be making dinner, but I went for a night run instead. Mm. She didn't say that, but I felt that she was thinking it. Mm. Oh, I'm happy that things are going well. I mean, for the listeners who have been with us since the beginning, we're we're approaching two years in January. And I think you have been struggling with the injury or surgery train since the beginning. So the only thing that listeners know about you is injury and surgery and comeback. I don't think anybody that would be new to Bracken Cracker knows you as a healthy, formidable force because since the beginning, you've been dealing with this. Yeah, there was, uh, in my mind, as I look at myself as an as a competitor, there is me through 2017, and then there is me since. And this is now year four, which is starting to become an issue, right? That's That's a long enough track record that if anyone met me or have heard of me, after 2017, there's nothing to 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 show any evidence that I'm a <laughs> I'm anyone worth knowing in the sport of running or OCR, and that's a really motivating factor to me at this point. Like the yeah. embarrassment, the the ego, that all left, and now it's just like a 
got a good smolder going on at the base of the fire. But it, it's really interesting to think that anyone who learned about us at the start has only known injured, inconsistent me. And yep. I'm very, very excited to to reintroduce all of us to the end product. So mm-hmm. I'm not getting ahead of myself. It's four weeks. That's that's nothing to to say that this is the new normal. But two of those four weeks are the two highest highest mileage weeks I've run since I think 2019. And three of them are three of the highest uh, total time on feet since then as well. So they've been my four most consistent weeks in terms of frequency and two and three of my highest volume weeks, which still isn't high, mm-hmm. but it's, it, they've been, it's been my best month in years. And that's exciting for me. Heck yeah. That is exciting. I can see it on your face, Bracken. It's good. And you know what? Like you can, we can talk the talk sitting here as host of a podcast, but really walking the walk is the most important leading by example is what actually resonates with people instead of just running your yap all the time, not saying you do. So, Oh, I do. It's really nice. No, you don't. Um, you know, getting out there and doing, doing the good work, man. That's what it's about. Well, the fear is that you become the plumber with crappy plumbing in his own house or the auto mechanic who drives a beater, right? No, the electrician who's got wires poking out all over his house. And that's a lot of the people we know. Your specialty is the thing you don't pay attention to in your own life. Totally. And that, for for the vast part of the last three, three and a half years has been me. So you gotta gotta keep your own home in order, Kirk. I like it. I like it. Well, I'll be interesting uh, to see how this plays out because you got a race coming up in about a month and a half. Yeah, five weeks until a six hour hill race. Yeah, no big deal. It's a six hour hill race. You know, Kirk, I made statements on here early this year or late last year about my process in my entire life has been sign up for a competition and train in order to get there. And we talked about how my main goal is to fall back in love with training and train without a race on the horizon. And I've come full circle and realized that I am who I am. (laughs) All right. When did this turn around? It was the day I signed up for that six hour Tennessee race. Yeah, maybe. Like I've fallen back in love with training, but my, my method is still find a race. And so I think my middle ground, my healthy middle ground is to now find races that allow me to progress through training in the, in the way that I need to. So for example, I signed up for a December six hour race. That's a lot of power hiking and downhill and uphill running, which allows me to get in nine weeks of base training. And then after that, I'm going to do a January high rocks, which allows me to put in a block of power work and threshold work. And then after that, a February Jacksonville race, which allows me to sharpen up for four weeks and work on some high end capacity. And then I take a week off. And I do it again. So I'm now realizing, listen, I am who I am. I can't change it, but I can use my weaknesses as a strength. And then I'll sign up for the next race, which forces me to follow the correct process. So it's about choosing my races now rather than trying to not be me. Well, there's nothing wrong with dangling a carrot as long as it's the right carrot. And you're choosing to dangle the right carrot, which is follow the process of periodization 
with uh, purpose and choosing your races wisely accordingly. So how can you really fault you for that, man? Yeah, if I can't change who I am, I at least have to then rig the system so it's a benefit to me. People like you the way you are. I think it's all right. I hope so. Uh-huh. They got to be jealous of me sitting on the other side of this mic, staring at you twice a week. I, I can feel the envy bestowed upon me. So it's an honorable position you sit in, Kirk. It really is. Uh, you you wanted to address, let's hop into this thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like this first 25 minutes is how we normally chat before we hit the record button. Yeah, it's a peek behind the curtain. We did that before. We chatted for 20 minutes before hitting the record button. Clearly didn't get it all off our chest and catch up. And now we just rolled again. So thanks for bearing with us. Um, uh, Why don't you address, why don't we just touch on the Richard Diaz episode we released Friday and then we'll get into our topic for today, which is sort of a shorter topic, uh, hence the longer preamble. But um, what did you want to address the Richard episode? Well, one, we never really announced to people that we're about to start a series. Right. But we started a series, a coaching philosophy or a training philosophy series. We talked about off-season for two and a half episodes. And it made sense that if people are really starting their off-season and we really do promote people taking their the reins in their training, and if you can't, then finding a good coach to help you in your training, if you're performance-oriented, then mm-hmm. we should do whatever we can to help you decide what is the best way for you to train. So we're starting a series where we get multiple coaches on week after week after week with different philosophies on how to train as an endurance athlete and let people source out their own material. Because this is what you and I have done over the years. We just listen to podcasts and we listen to to coaches seminars and we read books and we read blogs and we read scientific articles and we have pieced together our personal philosophy of training. And everyone knows how we train, but we would be arrogant to think that this is the best possible way to do it. So we want to bring in people from every facet of training and give give all the athletes out there the ability to find what works for them. And so we started with Rich because Rich is A, known to us. We've had him on before, but B, he has a very different philosophy of training that he's developed semi-recently and we wanted to give him the chance to explain it to the audience and so now i want to go through and basically do a debrief like college seminar here we had someone come in and give a big presentation and now the next class you come in and you got to break down what information was given and how it's applicable and actionable in everyday life okay that's not our episode today but we're just chatting out sort of the nuances yeah um i think you just i think you keep rolling the floor is yours sir Well, Rich has the idea of flow training, which is his big analogy for it is that you don't want to break things up onto different days. The same way you don't only eat protein on one day and carbs on one day and fat on one day. Why would we do that with different intensities of training? We should hit all intensities every day and just change the percentages on each day to give a flow to the week and keep recovered which right off the bat is going to be a polarizing statement because there's a lot of holes you can shoot in that uh, macros versus training intensities analogy. All right. You don't have to recover if you only ate carbs one day and no other macronutrients. uh, You don't have to recover from that eating effort. But if you're applying all of the training stimulus every day, there's a recovery component. So 
that that analogy gets you halfway there, but not all the way yeah. there, for example. So yeah, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's a pleasing analogy, but it it breaks down as you look further into it. So I have both reactions to this. And I assume that we have people like me or people that are on either side of my argument. And so I just kind of want to do a, a recap, break down exactly what he said, because he was vague at times and was specific at times. And I know there are going to be questions. So yep. the first broad statement is, if you're interested at all, I think you have to read his book. Yep. And since you and I have no tie to the sales of his book, I feel comfortable saying just buy the book. Training the dark side. Training the dark side. Yeah. So right in view of me, I have seven books on how to train. Two of them are just fundamental training books. Two of them are, are weight-based, diet-based books. And then two are kind of anecdotal training books. And then one is just like a well, it's a triathlete book. <laughs> it's got a bit of heart rate, a bit of training, a bit of theory. But anyways, I am very, very a big proponent of people buying books and reading them. So if you have any interest, you should read the whole book because it is very different to sit with questions you have not been given in advance and answer them on the spot versus writing all your theories down and all your thoughts down and editing and editing and editing and getting the end result correct. Yep. And perfect exactly how you want it. So if you really want to know exactly what he's saying and thinking, read his book. Yep. Second is then I'll break down my, my reaction to his interview. And I'll start with a negative reaction, which would be as someone who's had a lifelong training in endurance sports, I would say, ah, it just rubs me the wrong way to think that we're going to throw out periodization for multiple reasons. One is that this is a billion dollar industry. And we have shown that in the United States, in Russia, in the Nordic countries, governments are willing to do anything and everything possible to gain advantage for their athletes. And they put billions of dollars into it, yep. including illegal and illicit actions. How have they remained true to periodization if it's not the best way to do it? So I know that's that there are flaws in that argument, but if all the smartest richest willing to do anything nations and governing bodies and and teams in the world have steered away from this concept why would i buy into it so that's my first negative reaction to it is it's just too novel of an approach for me to go all in on what's your take on that um well i i agree with that uh for the most part um it, you know trial by fire is really the answer right and that means um executing on your own and then letting your results decide for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing that we have never, we have never done. I mean, back in the fifties, I think when Roger Bannister broke the mile record, if I'm not mistaken, his first couple of cracks, he sat in bed and didn't move a muscle for two or three days before the effort, thinking he was going to charge up his body, which obviously didn't work initially. And in that time we've completely flipped on, and he was the pioneer setter then. And then we've settled into new training tactics. And of course, that is a death sentence for your race to go do so. And we've learned that. And then we transition into the polarized training and the periodized training. And then maybe we'll look back and we'll laugh at ourselves then and be like, ha ha ha, these guys had no idea what they're talking about. Constant stimulus is the right answer. And that could be the trend in 50 more years from now. We don't know. Um, anytime you are a pioneer of anything that isn't widely accepted, it's easy to get criticized. You open yourself up for that, of course. So he shouldn't be surprised by that. But 
Um, you know, am I willing to go experiment on that with myself? Not right now, but there are a host of people who have. I would actually be very, very curious, anybody who has read the book and followed the protocol, if you could please message us and tell us, one, if you fully understand it and were able to execute it intuitively, and then two, what your results were. I'd actually like to hear from a few athletes. I got to imagine some people listening have actually done it and what their take is on it. So that would yeah. mean a lot to me, to be honest. You can hear it out of the source, which is great, but I'd love to hear from a few people in their personal examples. So point being is I understand where you're coming from. I agree with that. That's how I feel as well, but I just don't have all the info yet. Yeah. Yeah. So then my other side of my personality and my brain responds to that initial response, which is, is this really philosophically any different from what you believe? Like what, what do I always talk about? You should leave no pace behind in yep. training. In off season, you should not go pure aerobic. You should do strides. You should do some 200s after workouts. You should do some hill reps. You should never leave everything behind. When you're in threshold stage, you should still be doing high-end speed work, but in small doses. Before races, you should go out and do, I just talked about doing a day where an athlete did nothing but a full warm-up, strides, and then cool down the day before a race and two days prior. Talk about how Ryan Kent will do 200s the day before a race. Yep. Keeping all those pieces in throughout a week, throughout all phases of training, is that really any different from what he's saying? Or am I just doing it? in little vacuums? Am I keeping them all separate? And he's mixing them into one run. Is it any different if I do 10 to 12 by 100 meter hard strides on the soccer field, jogging across the end zone, and then do a diagonal back across the field, jog across the end zone? If I do that 10 to 12 times at the end of a workout, or if he intersperses it throughout the 60 minute run, is that really any different? No. No. It's not. So in that case, why would I just discard anything he's saying? Because he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He just has more integrated purpose to it. And that logically makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then I look at it and think the other thing that he did not do on there is he did not give us concrete examples. He didn't, you asked for a, a 60, an, a sample 60 minute workout and he talked theory. And I asked, I asked him about, well, how often would you prescribe percentages versus let the athlete kind of feel it out? And he talked theory. So I don't yet have a full understanding. If I read the book and get the full understanding, there's a good chance that we're going to see a lot of percentages manipulated throughout the blocks of training. Mm -hmm. And what we might find out is that even though everything's present every day, there are clear base phases and threshold phases and sharpening phases and skill phases and race prep phases because the percentage is so drastically different throughout. So he never gets away from anything, but he may have runs where 80% is aerobic and the other 20% is made up of 18% threshold and then 2% VO2 max in the middle of the season and early on, there might be only 10 to 20 second spurts of activity. Well, that's really no different than periodized base training and threshold work and sharpening. Yep. And so until I fully grasp it, maybe it's the exact same thing that we've been saying all along. The only difference again is that he's doing it 
mixed together in one workout. It's a one part workout rather than saying we're doing a warm up, then we're doing the workout, and then we're doing our skill work at the end. He's interspersing throughout, which maybe is more beneficial long term anyway, because unless you're running a pure track or road race where it's flat and smooth and no turns, you have to break stride and change the amount of muscle fibers that you're recruiting to accelerate, decelerate, make turns, plant your feet, chop your steps. Maybe he has more skill work involved with his anyway. Because in reality, how often does the race go where you get to run easy for 50 minutes and then do strides at the end? Like, is that race specific Mm -hmm. or is interspersing it throughout it more race specific? And then I start thinking, you know, I think that's something I I could and should subscribe to, which is how do I take the principles that I am a proponent of right now and make it more sports specific? And maybe it's by integrating throughout a run. Well, I think the one thing that was left off the table in that conversation was the idea of periodization. Um, I wish we would have sunk our teeth into that more and say, okay, you don't have a race in four months, Rich. What does... Uh, the old Milwaukee sirens. The old Milwaukee sirens. Yeah. Um, so what was left off the table, I think, which I would love a further discussion on is, okay, we don't race for a while. We're in the off season in quotes. That has to look different than in season, you know, dark side training. Um, could we explain how you periodize flow training within itself? Because I think that would be very important to hear and understand. And when done right, I could get behind the idea. No kidding. I go for a recovery run, but I throw 10, 20 second pickups into that recovery run just to get some biomechanical efficiency and nervous system stimulation done. I can get behind that in base phase. So like there's still more questions. I think, I think listeners and myself had as many questions when it was finished on the specifics Mm-hmm. Um, which I understand if you were left wanting a little bit more. And I think your your direction of going and reading the book is smart. I think that's the way to get your answers. Um, or, you know, send Richard, Rich a message. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, Richard, like, fill me in, brother. How, how can we approach this? You know, people do feel stagnant in their current training style often. It's part of the sport. And maybe something different um, like this might be exactly what you need to spur some new motivation. I don't know, which is today's topic, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> you hear this in the background? I got sirens everywhere. And now we've got a helicopter going by. I, I'm trying to put thoughts together, and all I can hear is just racket over there. There's a helicopter circling my location right now. Yeah, I can hear it. They're onto me. They must be. What have you done illegally lately? Probably broke the speed limit down the hill the other day. <laughs> wow. Flying down that baby. Yeah. Uh. But your argument is sound. And, and he said a couple times on there, I am an open book. And he was, but he also yep. has a book he'd probably like you to open. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's, if you have something like that, maybe you don't give every single piece away and you let people do their own research. So yeah, the, the periodization is something I would like to read up on. And maybe, maybe I just need to buy the book and read it because that's probably exactly what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the more I think about it and the more I thought about it, I thought about it. I did a two hour stair workout on Saturday. I just went up and down stairs for two hours, which is exactly as mundane and monotonous as it sounds. So I had a lot of thinking time and I went into it and came out of it with different feelings on it. I came out of it much more positive and intrigued by the idea than I went in because 
the missing pieces in my mind, if I follow my logical conclusion to those pieces, means that there is periodization built in throughout all of this because you just keep manipulating the percentages. And in theory, mm-hmm. at least according to how I would theorize this, it's no different than us saying the more often, even if you can get out for a 10 minute run, 20 minute run in the evening, that just helps you get better at that. You're kind of greasing the groove. Your stride's going to be better. Yep. The more often you can touch on quicker paces, the more often those paces are just going to become effortlessly ingrained in you in that stride type and the ability to open up your legs six times a week into a fast stride rather than two or three. It's just more skill work built in. And so I, I do like the idea of it and I'm interested in learning more about it. You know, what's great about it is that we're talking about it, which means anybody who shakes and moves and goes against the grain with a theory is always scrutinized at first, of course, because it's different. It's uncomfortable. It's hard to understand. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what pioneers do. And is Richard Diaz a pioneer? Maybe he's got a lot of respect and he's earned his place in endurance training for the last three decades. He's earned the right to be a pioneer. And so will there be some resistance and some question marks and some uncertainty? Of course there will be because he's going against the grain. So for that to be unexpected would be silly. And so I think wanting to know more and diving into it is natural with something like this. And if you listening felt the same way, you're feeling exactly how you should listening to a new idea and concept that's unfamiliar to you and unclear to you because all new concepts are unclear too. So like I think coming full circle, and looking at it from all angles, like you just did in processing makes sense. The proof is in the pudding. That's why I want to hear from athletes. Um, you know, the teacher uh, can lay the, the, the footwork, but um, really it's okay. So what, what do the students have to say? Right. And so I would be very curious. I would love for somebody or some buddies to take the time and message us on it. Um, yeah. Well, and you're right. The proof is in the pudding and maybe, if there are, and again, I haven't read the book yet, and that's something I need to do. But if the, if we don't still have like a chart or specific script in there that says, this is how you approach base versus in season versus sharpening off season, all of that, maybe the, the final reason for that is that this just hasn't been around long enough for him to feel these are bulletproof concepts, in which yep. case it's admirable not to prescribe things that aren't yet proven. And so he might be going through the data himself still and making sure that volume two of the book now has beyond reproach guidelines rather than just philosophies. But again, now I'm getting into points at which I would have better answers when I read his book. But the last thing I want to talk about is that the place where I left off at the end of this run was this is reminiscent of swim training. Swimmers do everything in intervals because it's just, it makes more sense. And they touch many paces every single day. Now they do not have impact and fighting gravity is a little different. And there's a little bit more temperature regulation in the water. So because of that, you can do more intensity and more work. But the fact is that in a perfect world where you don't hit the ground and you don't have to worry about core temperature as as much, they do much more touching of paces and training versus a runner. Sure. And so maybe this is a way of taking an established form of training, which is intervals every single day and varying the intensities and applying it to a contact with ground-based sport like running. 
Yeah. Same. It kind of goes for the bike too, for some people. Yeah. Non-impact. Well, maybe we should support our friend Richard and buy the book and then report back. I think it's uh, I think it's mandatory that I buy this mm-hmm. book. If I'm going to talk yeah, about too. it, I should know about it. Mm-hmm. I like Richard. I have a lot of respect for Richard and what he's doing and put yourself out there with something that's new and standing on that rock is admirable. I really think it is because it's so different. And so um, I think it's, it's piqued my curiosity enough to read and get a little more clarity on it at minimum. So we can speak more knowledgeably about it. If this were someone else, I'd be quicker to um, stay on my negative track of the, the negative, the pessimistic side of me, which would say, I just can't buy that this would be better than regular periodization. But Rich has been in the sport longer than I've been alive. He, he cut his teeth before I was alive. He spent decades doing all the regular scientifically proven styles of training, and he has arrived at this. He wasn't some of these people that we've known who come from a different industry and arrive with fresh thinking and ignore years of research and just say, Mm -hmm. it's archaic, this must be the way, and apply principles that apply in other sports to a sport that they don't have any history or experience in. He did everything else, and he has arrived now at this conclusion after decades. And he was—he is probably the most metric-based coach I personally know, because everything is based on, not everything, but on treadmills and on lab data. He has more money invested into a setup in his garage than any other coach I know has invested into their training setup. And it's all based on metrics that you can't fake. And so because of that, like he's built up a credit of with me that I feel like he can cash in on. Not that he cares or knows about it, but he's put in enough years that he deserves the benefit of the doubt and I need to explore it more. I agree with that. I think that was worth rehashing, reopening, then putting a little bow tie on our thoughts with it. And maybe we'll do that for, for all of the episodes moving forward. Maybe not this long uh, of it of a summary, but I think we should. Um, are you ready to, I'll go ahead. Or just, I, I want the final piece I want to say is that we say things very often on here and we get questions online about it all the time. And many times it'll be something that I feel I said, you reiterated. And then I did my thing where I talk about it again for a couple extra minutes. And I think sometimes it's too much, but I always want to reiterate and give a different perspective so that people absolutely are on the same page with what we're saying. That there's no confusion or or misconstruing the point we're trying to make. And yet still all the time we get something back where it's like, so what you said here, I don't, I just can't agree with. And the way they phrase it, I think, well, that's the exact opposite of what I said. But if right. I think I'm being clear and there are people who misunderstand it, then there always will be. Because I know I'm more redundant than many speakers are. And it's intentional. But if my redundancy still doesn't alleviate confusion or just curiosity about how to draw the conclusion from it, then there has to be more out there. It happened this a uh, couple of weeks ago with maybe last week with an episode. My dad and Lisa and I were discussing it. And I said, and I tried to just be as clear as humanly possible about this. And Lisa said, you know, the one piece that I thought didn't land well was this. And she took a different conclusion than what I was intending out there. So Mm -hmm. my own wife didn't understand what I was trying to say. And I thought I was being super crystal clear on it. 
That seems consistent with a typical marriage. <laughs> Speaking from no experience at all. However. But she and I talk about a lot of these topics. She's my sounding board for a lot of things. So she knows yeah. my, my, like the inside and out of what I want to talk about. And she mm -hmm. did not get what I was trying to have the audience get. So it was just a reminder that it's probably always good to rehash. And especially if it's someone else's knowledge, not ours. It, I think we should recap every episode and make sure that we we do it justice as well as we can. Well, I think it follows parallel with the saying, the more you learn, uh, the less you realize you know. Mm -hmm. And the more information you give people, uh, the more questions they typically have. It's like you you give them the tip of the iceberg and then they realize they don't understand it very well at all now that you've gotten the wheels turning and then follow-up questions always ensue. So I feel like you're doing an adequate job. It's just sometimes things get lost in translation and info given means more info wanted. And that's always the case. I don't think you're ever going to explain something to satisfaction to anybody. There's going to be questions. So I don't think your uh, redundancy falls on deaf ears. I just think it's the nature of giving information. Yeah. So you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you, Kirk. You're so welcome. Um, let's try to talk about motivation. What do you think? I mean, we have some people that are fired up for the off season right now, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people who are just running on E when it comes to motivation and they have no idea where they're supposed to find their fill up. They're just aimless and aimless. It's so true. This is the most simple training Tuesday that we are going to do. Hence why it took us 50 minutes to get into our conversation because it doesn't need a lot of time, but it's worth addressing. And I, gosh, I would say a third of my athletes have used the word motivated in an email summary to me in the last few weeks. And usually it's not, I'm so motivated. It's I'm lacking or not mm -hmm. feeling motivated or motivation. And I was, <clears throat> I send out a weekly check-in email over the weekend, all my athletes just asking for a summary. Uh, Bracken, you schedule face-to-face -face or calls once a month. I send a weekly check-in looking for data, a summary of the week, and then I give feedback that way. And so I touch pretty often with the athletes, electronically anyways. And overwhelmingly this weekend, the word motivation just kept coming up. Like, I am not motivated or I skipped two workouts. I'm just not feeling vigor for what I'm doing. You know, all the races are done or my next races are so far off that I'm just flat and I can do better, but I just don't want to right now. Or I just can't, you know, I let other things get in the way. I had a wedding this weekend and motivated me would have gotten up early and got the run done and unmotivated me, let the whole weekend go without prioritizing my training. And so I just like read that over and over this weekend. And I was like, man, like we glorify the base training as far as being so important for setting up next season. But when next season feels so far away, it's easy to lose sight of the task at hand. And I feel like there's some people stuck in that boat right now. And so I just thought dissecting it as much as we could make sense. I just think like either way, like whether our, my athletes or yours fall or don't fall into the camp, like I'm sure a lot of people listening, like motivation ebbs and flow. That's normal. It's not a reason to be hard on yourself. Even within season, you know, like some days you're going to feel like you're ready to go crush souls and other days you're going to be like, getting out the door sucks today. And even when you're, when you look back on years of training and your best season or your best races, I guarantee you there were periods of unmotivation, even within that 
greatest training and racing cycle of your life. Like you forget about all the times when you had to drag yourself out the door and you glorify the great interval workout and the great race you had. And so like, either way, it's purposeful. I feel like even, even the most motivated person in the world still sometimes like, you know, takes an extra five minutes lacing their shoes up and getting out the door. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there's relatability no matter what. Um, I can, so, so I think like jumping into this, um, I have one place I want to start with the conversation. I can see you want to jump in, but like, um, no. So, so I think like with the motivation, I have this conversation being a personal trainer, working with people who constantly like yo-yo with their motivation, uh, their weight loss or their strength gains or all of those things. Like it comes down to one simple thing, in my opinion. It's it. This whole conversation, I could end it in 90 seconds if I had to. I'm not joking. And it's the main point I want to get across today. And that's, it's very simple. People believe in general that they're going to sit on the couch and wait for motivation to magically be bestowed upon them. They're going to go through their life and feel like I wasn't motivated yesterday, but tomorrow's going to be different. I'm going to wake up and then I'm going to feel motivated. I just needed a down day. Then the next day feels the same. And the next day feels the same. They think that like the sun is going to shine upon them and fill them with motivation. And suddenly that's going to be the day. If you're one of those people who are waiting for motivation to come to you, you are kidding yourself. You're absolutely wrong. And you need to do some hard self-reflection. Motivation is earned. It is not given. And what does that mean? That means like action fuels more action. So if you are feeling unmotivated, that's a shitty excuse. You need to seriously give yourself a slap in the ass and say, I need to earn it right? And motivation is earned by putting your shoes on when you don't want to, by setting that alarm when you don't want to, and getting up and doing it. Once you do that enough, once you show up for yourself, you get out the door enough when you still hate this. I effing hate this. This is stupid. It's cold and dark out in the morning. I'm not enjoying myself. But you know what happens? Eventually, something switches. And eventually, it becomes habit. I fought the non-alcohol routine for almost four weeks. I hated my routine. I didn't have a routine. And then suddenly it became something I looked forward to, my stupid chamomile tea, which is something that I hated for the first few weeks. It didn't even feel good. It didn't feel like a routine, but I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And suddenly now I look forward to it, which is weird because tea is disgusting. And so point being with this whole conversation is stop whining, stop saying ho-hum and poor me and put on your big girl pants, your big boy pants, get out and do it consistently. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself motivated and you don't know where it came from. Well, it wasn't given to you. It was earned. So stop it and then start. And it's that simple. That's it. That's the whole thing I wanted to say today in summation. Oh, do I like it? That's it. Sitting still is not motivating. Not at all. Momentum is motivating. Exactly. Human creatures get get motivated from either external sources or internal. Mm -hmm. And when you wait for something to strike momentum up in you, it is external and that fades. Exactly. External forces fade internal last, but internal has to be earned. Internal motivation builds as your routine builds. The more days you get underneath you, the more motivated you get. External can get you out the door, but it will not sustain you. 
And so I'm actually a, a proponent of using those external motivations to get started. 100%. But you have to know that you are using them like kindling for a fire. Your stain power is going to come from the logs that you harvest yourself. But tossing a newspaper or two in there, that's going to get the logs started. And that's how you have, you can't go in thinking the newspaper is my motivation. You have to know the newspaper gets me off my butt so that I can go cut down some logs. And I think, I think, I mean, I talked about it at the beginning of this. I realized that I can't change my process. I can refine it and refocus it a little bit. So I'm a race-based athlete. In the past, my process for getting motivated was this race is coming up. I get to prepare for this race. But eventually I'd missed out on my time of training and my base and I just couldn't prepare for races. But the things that used to get me fired up were I've got a race coming up. All right, choose my race shoe, choose my race kit, choose my specific workouts that I'm going to do to get fired up for that race. Now I do that same thing, but I have to find how to do that appropriately for off-season base building. So it's not finding a race shoe. I order my next, my new training shoe. And this, I'm a, Kirk, I'm a cheap person. I will always find the cheapest route to buy something. But this is one of those times where, let's say I had to get speed goats. I could wait 17 days for them to arrive. Or I could go to my local running store and pay 34 extra dollars to get them that day. Mm -hmm. I would always tell people, milk 17 more days out of your shoes, get the cheaper ones. Not that day. If someone came up to you and said, give me 34 bucks and I'll motivate you. You'll start your off season. It'll be great. You'd probably pay them $34. For sure. If having those shoes that day, means I start my training block that day. It's worth $34. So finding that, well, race shoes, getting my new race shoe for the next race that always pumps me up. Now I have to do that for base training. You know, having my little kindling that gets me out the door so that I can build momentum. But momentum is the only way to get and stay motivated. And that requires about a month of work. You can get kindling for a week or two, and then you hit the, the doldrums, and then momentum builds in another week or two. Yeah, You have to invest that month to get it. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason it's a quarter of the reason why we get new athletes as coaches. They're starting to reach for straws. They're feeling unmotivated and they need a kick in the pants. Um, you know, and you have the other camps in which are just not progressing with their current training and that's leading to lack of motivation or whatever, but people hire a coach. Um, some people hire a coach looking for motivation, but they get a month or two in and you could be the best damn coach in the world. But I mean, literally the best coach in the world but two months, you're going to get stripped down to your roots regardless. Like eventually you're going to stop wanting to impress them as badly or stop um, being the great student that you were the first month. And you're going to get stripped down to where your motivation, your intrinsic motivation level rises. Those are where those hard looks in the mirror come from. You give an example about, um, you know, people leaving their job and focusing full time on training. And you say, oh, people think that they're going to leave their job and focus on training. They're going to be this new athlete. And you say, you know what? If you couldn't do it with a full-time job, a wife or husband and kids, I am telling you, you can't do it once you quit your job because this is an intrinsic character flaw of yours that needs work. Suddenly all the time in the world still going to leave you feeling the doldrums of training and walking into walls instead of taking the door. And they all parallel the same thing, which is like um, action fuels more action. Yes. And so it's like, 
all of those things combined lead to falling on your own shoulders when it's all said and done. It's always going to fall on your own shoulders, whether you're paying an extra 30 bucks for your shoes, which might be the kindling. I agree. And sometimes the kindling is exactly what it takes. You're hundred percent, right? Like, because no matter what the in- initial motivation is, if it fuels action, action fuels motivation, whether it's coming from an outside source or it's coming from yourself. But again, eventually the kindling is going to burn out. And is that wood dry enough to start on fire? And that's kind of the question when you really look at this whole thing. And so I just think it comes down to, I mean, motivation is synonymous with action. And so I think they just parallel each other and whatever it takes to get that initial action. That's great with me. But a lot of you are sitting at home without couches, without great accountability partners. Maybe your husband doesn't run, but you do, which is a very common scenario or vice versa. Um, It's like, nobody cares at the end of the day. Like, listen, folks, I'm not going to show up at your house and put your socks and shoes on for you. Wipe your ass while I'm at it. Like you do those things ultimately. And so like looking externally is great to get it started, but it doesn't sustain anything. And so I just wanted to hone in on the point of motivation is which like suck it up, do it. And if it takes some band-aids to get started, like you said, which I love the idea, buy somebody a pair of new yoga pants and they want to go to the gym and use them and show them off the next day. Same thing goes with shoes. Works for me. For sure it works for me. That's why you got a beautiful shoe wall. And now I'm wondering how many dips and motivation you've had looking at the number of shoes on your wall <laughs> and then wondering and then wondering if they were the uh, kindling to that next fire you were burning but um you know I could talk myself in circles with this but I think I I've gotten my point across I mean it, we could have we could have submitted a 5 minute training Tuesday if we had to if we got right to the point well this is why we prefaced it with some other pieces because this yep. piece that you have is simple so simple. Sometimes you just have to suck it up and put a month in. Yeah. I'm I'm floating right now because I just finished my month. Yeah. My month is done. And how do you feel? I feel like had I waited, I'd be a month behind. And for the first time in a long time, I've got a month in the bank that I wouldn't have ever had in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'm already a month ahead of where I would have been if there hadn't been an intervention on my life. Do you know what I wish? I wish that people, we were, we bullshit for about 20 minutes before we recorded this episode. And I was looking at you talking about your yeah. training and you were like glowing, right? Like if we could have inserted our 20 minute pre-recording conversation into this part of the episode, I think people would have a huge light bulb moment and be like, listen to Bracken, talk about his training and how excited he is and how he's feeling. And dude, that was not given to you. You've been through a lot of shit lately. That was earned. And you know what started this all is Macaulay and Lisa sitting on the couch one night at like 1030 at night, giving me brutal, tough love about why aren't you doing it? Lisa, and I know I already said this on there, mm-hmm. but she said, then why are, why haven't you done it? I talked about something I wanted to be able to do with my fitness. She said, then why haven't you done it? I was like, oh my goodness. Why haven't like it was it took shame. Yeah. That's not a a super positive like approach, but it's effective for me. Shame's a good motivator. It's very effective for mm-hmm. me. And and I, I had a conversation with her this week and and I said, you know, in the last two weeks, I've done six runs now that happened after noon. It used to be if I didn't get mine done in the morning, 
it wasn't getting done. And now six times in the last two weeks, I got out the door in the afternoon when work wrapped up for me or when I had a break in between meetings. 100% of those mm -hmm. would not have occurred in the past. So I had six wins in the last two weeks above and beyond my normal wins, which were just getting the work in. They happened at a time where I've proven I can't work out in that time slot. And, and I did it. And you've been a motivation for that. How many times are we like, hey, I got to stop now because I've got 48 minutes to get a 42 minute workout in and I have to be out the door. I do that frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to be out the door anywhere. I just need to be back on my computer. So why can't I? So those mm -hmm. little wins are fueling and now I have momentum, but it took a month of just go out the door. I don't want to. I had to fight against my own instinct, which is hit snooze or, oh, it's too late. Save it for tomorrow. Saving it for tomorrow is what got me to races unprepared. There is no worse feeling as an athlete than showing up knowing, oh, I wish I had more time. Our more time is right now. Mm -hmm. If you don't take this, you are actively choosing to be unprepared later. You just have to start. And I feel confident saying that because I just started and I got a month in and I am happier than I've been in a while because I'm taking care of business. And you'll, and you'll have a dip in motivation again. Don't worry. And you'll have a day or two in this next month where it sounds like the worst thing in the world and it's raining out and it's 35 degrees where it should be snowing, but it's not. And you're like, I don't want to get outside, but I'm going to. And I feel like, you know, I don't have it all figured out. I think that was very clear with my, you know, my, we'll call it confession five weeks ago with me, you know, sort of living this life that you guys didn't know. Like I'm not perfect and my motivation ebbs and flows as well. And I think I can speak to this firsthand right now with somebody who, you know, was addicted to something for a while and then had to completely change my routine for the better and hating every minute of it along the way. But I put one foot in front of the other. I showed up for myself day to day, hour to hour, noon to six at night, six night at night to bed and just got myself there when it was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to do the easy thing, which in a, in a, my sense was go grab a drink in a workout sense. The easy thing is to not go out for a run, but I did it. And what did I say at the beginning of this conversation? I said that suddenly I look forward to my chamomile tea, which I resented boiling that stupid water and steeping that freaking stupid tea bag when it wasn't whiskey. Hated it. I bitch to Jess every night. This doesn't do it. And then again, over these last weekends, this is the fall and I go deer hunting and I sleep in a camper and it's the last thing I want to do after getting up early and being cold and running on very little sleep. I choose this. I'm not asking for poor me by any means, but I went out and I'm still doing those things when it's the least convenient for me to be doing. And here I am motivated to do so because I showed up on the days where I wasn't. And so I just think like, as much as I'm giving a little bit of tough love right now, like I've been living this and I would argue, you know, this whole chamomile tea versus whiskey battle is far harder than any battle for you to get out the door, putting on your running shoes. Guys, I do both. I do both of those things right now. And I am telling you that the chamomile tea versus whiskey is exponentially more harder than putting on your stupid socks and shoes and going out for a run. And so like, if I can do this crap, like you got nothing, go do it. Like that's all. So I'm speaking from like my own perspective here um, that like I'm earning my current place in life through actionable choices I'm making every day. And if you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself, you're not happy with where your fitness is like 
I'm grabbing shit by the balls and changing it. And it's not always fun. It's not always easy, but like you can do the same thing in your workout sense. And so that's why I feel like I can speak to this currently in a very roundabout way. It's still very directly related to you sitting at home, maybe not happy with your, your current training or situation. That'll make sense. It does. Like I don't get violently ill if I don't go off for my run or if I go for like, you know, your, your, your struggle is a little bit more visceral than mine. And I think it's good to hear that there are levels to things. Well, sure. All I have to do is put my shoes on and go around. All right. I think I can suck it up and handle that. Because if you can't, could you handle worse? Yeah. That's always a good thing to remind yourself. Like if I can't get motivation to do this, would I really be that person that could go through something else? And this is how you prepare for that. I've got to imagine, Kirk, that years of putting yourself through hard workouts have helped you put down the bottle or not, or not grab it. Like the same pathways are present. Hundred percent. So get out and run. I have a I have a twenty one mile hill workout to do on Saturday. Woo. It's my biggest day I'll do leading into this this race. And four weeks ago, I made it sixty five minutes and had to stop because my soleus and Achilles and calves were hurting on the hills. The point is, had I just said oh, I'm not ready, I got to wait until my strength training is going a little better, and until my running volume is built up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'd still be at the same point of inactivity, but because I just put in four weeks, now I'm prepped to go do a 21 mile hill workout. You know, it's just a very different place that I'm in because you put in the initial hard, difficult mental decisions. Yeah. Well, I think in people, people confuse like convenience with motivation too. like, oh, I'm going to run when it's convenient. Work is too busy. And the kids are at home from daycare because of COVID and all these things I'll run when it's convenient or I'll work out when it's convenient. Convenience isn't an excuse. It really isn't. Um, and so like, I, I just heard that sort of like echoed in a little bit of what you were saying, like con convenience is a non-valid excuse. So let's chalk that one off the board. And then let's, even if that means like kids in, um, in his crib and you're doing pushups and high knees and calisthenics in place, if you don't have a treadmill at home, or whatever it may be, like convenience is out the door. So let's like nix that excuse and let's talk about like fundamentally what matters. And what did, you said something powerful in the nutrition episode we did, the weight loss episode, which is you can't throw everything at it right away. You can't be all fired up and try everything right away because there's nothing left for when you have your motivation drop out. It's the same thing with actual motivation. You can't throw every piece of kindling at it right away and just go right into, I got to do crazy, exciting workouts and I've got to get my new shoes and my new outfit and I've got to have it wait until my work schedule clears up. No, you got to start when it's boring and mundane in one piece of kindling. Exactly. And then three weeks later when it's boring, now you add in the second thing. And then work schedule clears up four weeks later, you've already got your routine. Now you can add in more. Now you can add in exciting workouts, but you've got to start when it's dark and cold and dull. So that when you really need a pick-me-up, you toss a piece of kindling at it. It's the same premise for weight loss, for starting up, for, for you know, alcohol dependency. It's the same skills. And it starts with day one. What did you post as your screen name on every episode we did for the first, what, four weeks afterwards? Day one. Day 14. Day 20. Because the, what do they drill into your head? Every day, show up for yourself one day at a time. Is that any different than lacing up the shoes one day at a time? Not. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. How unsatisfying is you go to make that snowman and you roll that tiny little ball in your hands and you start rolling it along the snow and you have this little pathetic, measly little thing. But what happens? Like 
that's your motivation ball right there. And the more you roll it, the more you push it, the more you nurture it, the bigger it gets. And then, you know, eventually you got yourself like something worth looking at. And it's the same way. It's the same way with motivation. Like it seems so insurmountable when you have this little tiny golf ball sized thing of snow in your hand and it turns into a six foot tall snowman. Like you can't build that snowman without starting from that little tiny ball. And that little ball is your minuscule motivation right now. But like it builds, it works exactly that. Yeah. Without question. That's perfect. Simple and rich get richer. That's the way our world works. Fitness is one of the only things you can guarantee you can build up your 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 wealth by just doing it every day. Yep. You don't have to worry about it because you're just going to build it. And eventually your rich will get richer, but you can create it a whole lot easier than you can create real wealth because you just do it every day and it works. Do it and do it and do it. But start today. If you're not out running listening to this, which I'm sure most of you are, that's how this works. If you like happen to be sitting on the couch listening to this, like I'm hoping at this point, like your running clothes are on and you're ready to head out the door because that's kind of the goal with this one. Or if you're struggling with motivation, like pin this one and listen to the last 20 minutes and or 25 minutes, however long we've been talking about it and get yourself out the door. Just feel like sometimes it's a kick in the ass and a kick in a, in a real talk that like moves the needle the most. And I don't know who needs to hear this right now. A handful of my athletes, maybe. And maybe a handful of people listening, but like at some point, even Mr. Motivated or Mrs. Motivated listening to this right now is going to feel unmotivated. It's not sustainable to feel highly motivated year round. So I'm not faulting you as a human for feeling unmotivated. That's not the point. That's going to happen at some point. You want to have something to fall back on. And that's just like remembering the fundamentals of what got you motivated to start with. That's it. That's the whole point. You happy with this? Full stop. I'm very happy, Kirk. You've got me fired up to run. Have you run yet today? No, I haven't. Me either, but I'm going to. What are you doing today? I'm going out for a run right now. Woo! Now, keep it easy. It's a recovery day. Don't go getting fancy on me. Uh, I have nothing fancy in my life right now, Kirk. I'm just putting in the miles. Our run on the trails, it's raining right now. That's the other thing. These 21 miles are about to get a lot worse because it's rained nonstop for three days here. Oh, boy. So I'm going to have very muddy descents on this ski hill. Wear, uh, Wear something with some grippies. Oh, I think I have an abundance of that. What will be your shoe of choice today? Then we're wrapping. Well, today I'm going to wear Evo Mafate. Hmm. Love that shoe. Aggressive lugs too. Good one. It's the only shoe I know of that has all the cushioning and support I could ever need with aggressive lugs and stability to run technical nasty terrain at the same time. Yeah, it's a good shoe. I don't know another one. Yeah. I can't think of one that provides that much cushion either with some gnarly deep grooves in it to really grab hold of sloppy stuff. And it's going to be extra sloppy. Just how we like it. Well, folks, thanks for listening to a little roundabout way to get into our topic and hopefully you got some out of this. Go run. Now. Now.